This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. My guest today is Amanda Petzinger of Benchmark ESG. Uh, we're going to have a conversation about how EHS and ESG are talking to each other, sort of the evolving role of a sustainability professional. I think this is going to be a great conversation. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Just before we get too far into it, uh, let's establish what we want to talk about. Um, before the cameras were rolling, you mentioned you have an interest in talking about uh, how EHS, so environmental health and safety, is uh, evolving more and more to connect with uh, ESG, environmental social governments. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, so um, you know, e ESG, or environmental social governance, is a cross-functional, multi-stakeholder activity. Um, there is no one function that owns ESG. It might sit under corporate relations or investor relations um, or sustainability, um, but it is something where you have to have insights into many different facets of your business, whether that is your environmental programs, your employee health and wellness programs, your sustainable supply chain, finance, HR, um, uh, product development. All of these different functions come together to provide um, the inputs that are needed to conduct ESG disclosures and to form an ESG program. And the EHS function is particularly well poised to provide a foundation for those ESG programs. That's partially because the E in ESG and the E in EHS are the same. So you have a whole entire pillar that um, has a lot of overlap there. Um, but it's also because you have um, folks in the EHS function who already have had to collaborate across functions in the organization in order to do their jobs. EHS is intertwined with operations. EHS is intertwined with HR. Um, so these folks who are in this EHS function already have the skills and the relationships needed in order to bridge these different gaps and be able to bring that to the table in a way to present it in a little bit of a different format for you know, ESG consumption. But they're already on the front lines of this. They're already the folks who are already providing, uh, in, by some accounts, 70% you know, of you know, what is needed from an ESG disclosure perspective. So they have a good positioning in the organization um, to already provide a lot of that information. And I would think health and safety professionals also have a skill set in change management. So when they are seeing something that needs to be fixed, they know how to talk to people to, to make it actionable. Absolutely. And that, that would speak to ESG as well. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, one of our um, subscribers had told us, you know, you should take a page out of your EHS playbook and use it to form an ESG playbook. Because I think a lot of EHS professionals are being saddled with this, whether or not they want to, right? Because the E, they're like, hey, E here, E there, you know, seems like a good fit for you. But, you know, those EHS professionals are already well adept at operationalizing programs to drive performance. And they've been doing this with environmental compliance, with health and safety programs for 20, 30, 40 years. And that's no different for ESG. I think 
ESG seems to be a little bit scarier in some cases because of who's asking for the information. You know, it might be your investors, it might be um, your customers, and there is a bit of positioning that goes with that. But at the core of any good program is really operationalizing the processes that deliver into that. So a company can't just take an ESG disclosure as a you know one and done type of activity. In order for them to really have sustained performance and to show progress, they are going to have to drive ownership and accountability and um, have a workflow and a process for being able to manage those programs that are part of the ESG umbrella. And the EHS leaders have already done that in spades with their compliance programs. Now, I know we were sort of coming at it from the perspective of uh, ESG as being handed to EHS professionals, but in a way it's also empowering them because there's a lot of juice to what they're doing there. And now that they have responsibility for it, I can also see them making a lot of forward progress on a lot of initiatives. Can you speak to that? Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned the term forward progress because uh, one of our, our other subscribers said that every ESG program needs a quarterback. So, um, you know, a lot of times these are committees that are coming together to form these ESG groups, um, again, cross-functional folks. Uh, but that needs to be driven uh, by somebody. You can't just have the committee, you know, kind of wandering around trying to find their way. There needs to be a quarterback who's calling the plays um, and can really uh, get the right folks together to move the ball down the field, if you will. Um, so with that in mind, uh, you have to be able to influence people. And sometimes you have to be willing um, as an EHS professional to affect your own destiny. So even if you are part of an organization that has yet to officially um, put the ESG hat on the EHS professional's head, it may behoove you um, to you know, go for it yourself because that way you don't have people telling you what to do. Um, you can kind of affect you know, how that, that program is gonna be run, especially if you're already contributing to it quite a bit anyway. Um, Volunteers have more power than voluntolds. Exactly. And, you know, I, I was at a conference last week and one of the speakers was talking about the fact that, again, the EHS professional has insight into what almost all of the rest of the company is doing because they have to. Whereas someone in finance, which there are some ESG programs that are run out of the finance function or, you know, an investor relations function, they might not have the same intimate knowledge from an operations perspective of how businesses run, whereas the EHS folks have had to be embedded with operations. They have to be on that kind of level and um, A, have more influence and B, you know, can tell the story in a little bit of a different way um, because they are so intimately involved with that part of the business. We actually have a, a finance event that we organize, and I've, I've spoken to some people about ESG, and it does very much come from sort of a data collection and transmission and communication side, which is not necessarily the hands-on, we talk to everybody on the floor, what are you doing in this space uh, conversation. And that is a really good point that you make. And that's why I think the EHS professional can be so successful at this, because they're not just about data collection and reporting right? They are about sending people home safer or uh, as safe or safer than they came there, um, keeping the environment 
you know, being good stewards of the environment and, you know, protecting, you know, the company's assets as well and, and their risk profile. And they are really implementing programs to drive progress and change in those areas. And, and a byproduct of that is being able to report out on their progress and their metrics. Um, and you know, no disrespect to the finance uh, to, to the finance arm, but you know they are certainly much more focused on the numbers and and that reporting function. But if you really want to have a best-in-class ESG program, I really believe that it has to come from the ground floor and it has to come from operations, and um, you know can't just be a, a numbers exercise. Now you mentioned a couple times uh, benchmark subscribers. I guess we should ask. You know, how is Benchmark helping in this space? What, what do you guys do for your clients? Sure. So we offer a unified uh, software platform for environmental health and safety, EHS, operational risk, sustainability, ESG, and uh, some supply chain activities as well. So we have a unified platform of web-based cloud solutions that are really enabling those workflows that I just mentioned, um, allowing those program owners to define uh, responsibility for certain activities, drive accountability, and as a byproduct of that, being able to report out on their metrics, on their performance, but really at the heart having workflows that are m making progress towards the goals that folks have in EHS, in ESG. Um, you know, certainly the activity of an ESG disclosure is a huge lift on a company uh, and those um, disclosures are not coming once or twice a year they're coming from all angles at all times and so you know being able to have processes that feed into that disclosure um, and you're managing the process makes it a lot easier to be able to then report out on how you're doing so we take pride in being able to provide uh, cloud-based solutions for those process owners, whether it's you know, from an EHS activity, an operational sustainability activity, like uh, managing your footprint or tracking the projects that you're using to um, you know, drive your carbon footprint down, uh, to then being able to provide some workflow tools for ESG disclosures. I have actually sat on a health and safety committee many years ago. I used to work in a factory. And uh, so I'll, I'll circle back to your, you know, committees don't actually run health and safety. I love the analogy, uh, a camel is a horse designed by committee, like things do go astray. But let's imagine I'm the head of that committee or, or I've been empowered as the EHS uh, professional, hey, we're going to be doing this reporting and I feel a little lost in it. I mean, it's, it's a big responsibility. There's a lot of moving pieces. How do I get benchmarks help in this? Like what does getting started look like? What are some of the early things I should be thinking about? Sure. Well, in addition to our software solutions, we also offer some advisory services as well. So we can certainly help um, you know, guide you on, on that uh, getting started front. Um, certainly, you know, I think uh, the best practice is to do materiality assessment of what is important to your business um, internally, but also externally. So thinking about who are your stakeholders, um, who needs to be asked about what's important, because there is a wide range of ESG topics out there um, that may be relevant to your business or not. Um, or may not be relevant to your business right now. And being able to do a stakeholder assessment of that uh, is an important way to get started. Rather than letting 
um, some sort of framework drive you because mm. that is oftentimes what your higher ups might be saying. You know, I heard from you know this board member that we should be you know following X Y Z framework and standard. That's great, but is it relevant? Is it material to your organization and your stakeholders? Um, and so the best practice would be not to just dive head first into a certain framework, but to really assess your stakeholders, assess what's important, and then with those important items, trying to identify uh, what are your priorities and how are you going to operationalize those particular programs so that you can have a baseline of data that you're sharing and you can show continued and sustained progress. Everything I've heard from you know, raiders and rankers and you know, the investors out there who are looking at this data, um, no one is expecting perfection uh, from, uh, from any organization. What they are looking for is progress. So for some companies, that progress is just getting a handle on what the baseline is and then being able to set some goals and targets and work towards achieving those. Now, I have to think any EHS professional who has been given this new responsibility already had an existing system in place. They had some tools. Uh, how does this new uh, set of capabilities interact with the legacy systems? How does it communicate out to the wider organization? You probably are connecting with the finance people because at the end of the day, there is a report that needs to be done. That might not be a language I, as an EHS professional, am I very comfortable with. Uh, how does that all yeah. work? That's a great point. And you know, certainly as a multifunctional stakeholder engagement process that ESG is, there is not going to be a single system in the organization that is going to serve as the ESG platform. It's just not possible unless you have a miracle of a system where it's all, you know, finance, HR, EHS, product, all in one, right? So with that in mind, integrations are key. Um, the EHS management system that you already have is going to serve as a strong cornerstone of any sort of digital system. Um, so if you already have uh, a system in place for your injury management and your compliance audits from an EHS perspective, that's a good starting point. Um, but being able to then um, take not only those systems, but your HR systems for your demographic data and your ERPs for your product data and your finance systems and be able to um, transform that data, you know, transition that data into one place where you can then report out on that is, is really important. And we've been focusing at Benchmark on developing something called our data exchange portal um, to better and faster and e more easily um, pull in data from these different systems so that that can be leveraged as the source of truth for your disclosures. And then what we have in, in our platform is what we call our ESG director, where it is it can be agnostic of the system of record for managing those workflows, but it's really for creating a process around collecting the qualitative disclosure statement, supplementing it with quantitative data from any of those source systems, and be able to have that go through the review process and align it to different frameworks so it's easier to report. But like you mentioned, that uh, data integration from other systems, system interoperability, is going to be critical for a strong ESG disclosure reporting process. Could we talk a little bit about sort of the user interface of this all? Because again, I'm a EHS professional, and uh, I've certainly had you know 
scope on what I was doing before, but now it feels like I've got another set of people who have to give me data, who have to input this. Am I a traffic cop in all this? Are they doing their own reporting and I just sort of make sure everything's been covered? What What is the workflow like and how does the tool help? Sure. So I think a um, couple of thoughts on that, that end. First and foremost, you have to give some autonomy to the program area managers who are responsible for their particular slice of the ESG pie. Um, I don't think there's any one person in the organization who's going to be able to lord over them and say, you know, this is what the, the statement should say. So giving those program area managers the flexibility to either keep it with themselves and say, you know what, I'm gonna fill this out, or to be able to delegate to their teams who might be subject matter experts on very specific topics, or to be able to go out and say, you know what, I need to write this as a, at a company level, but uh, when it comes to our environmental risks and opportunities, I need inputs from each of our uh, business owners or P&L owners as to what their risks and opportunities are. I can't write our corporate response until I have inputs from them. So giving them the flexibility to delegate to whomever they need to at whatever entity level in that organization to get those responses is first and foremost key. And then I would say from that point, um, having a review workflow is going to be critical as well. So that's great, great that the program area manager um, has you know, figured out a way on how to get the data from their sources, but that has to go through a review process. You have to be able to trace back to the data. So, um, you know, any sort of links or you know, references to other systems where this data might be pulled from is going to be key, needs to be auditable. But then you need to have multiple levels of review in your organization. And certain topics might require more level of review than others. So this could mean you know, getting that uh, ESG quarterback involved with kind of reviewing how this is going out the door. Uh, you might need to get legal involved in order to make sure that you are representing things in a way that minimizes risk to your company. Um, and you might need to get marketing involved in order to be able to spin it in a way that uh, puts your performance in the best light possible. So each of these individuals um, needs to have, or, or stakeholders needs to have a role in kind of reviewing those disclosure processes. So you know, while it is important for the, the program owner to have some autonomy to go out and collect this data however they need to be able to um, in order to write their disclosure statements and back it up with auditable data, having a flexible workflow of uh, reviewing processes with those different internal stakeholders is going to be key in order to ensure that what's going out the door um, you know, is, is putting your best foot forward. And I think that is you know, one other element that is critical is um, you know, these requests for ESG disclosures are not just coming from an annual report anymore or one or two people asking throughout the year. Some companies may have upwards of 80 to 100 uh, requests for ESG disclosures throughout the year. They are coming from things like uh, RFPs that you might have for potential bids for customers. And if you think about it, those people who are involved with that, those are your sales folks. What do they know about your ESG program? And there's a lot of risk in terms of um, you know, the wrong information, unauthorized information, 
um, or misrepresented information going out in those, those responses. So having a centralized place where your ESG disclosures can live, they can you know, be authorized, and ensuring that anyone who's getting asked this kind of information is working off of the same uh, sheet of music, if you will, um, is going to be critical to ensure consistency in your messaging. Um, when I first started talking about corporate social responsibility, so this was a you know oil gas mining term ten years ago. I'm sure it's everywhere, but it was the idea that you have to uh, demonstrate good corporate citizenship, you have to earn social license, and and demonstrate responsible development. And you're exactly right. Someone can't go rogue and make up their own facts. There needs to be well, this is what we're actually doing, and this is the numbers that we actually have to show that we are demonstrating we are good corporate citizens. So I, I think that's a great point to make. I do want to pivot a little bit mm-hmm. um, because we've been talking about how the role of the EHS professional is changing. This ESG piece is coming in. To me, that suggests the tool is also going to be evolving and changing. So what does the future hold for, for Benchmark's suite of tools? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we, we have a strong heritage on our environmental health and safety, compliance and risk management tools, as well as uh, operational sustainability. The last two years, we have been focusing on how we can help provide some workflows um, to drive the internal process of ESG disclosure statements. Um, And our next step is really looking at how we can help folks manage that influx of requests and manage those requests and use that as a way to leverage that repository, but also look at leveraging technology like blockchain to be able to share um, those disclosure requests in an immutable way. Um, So that's kind of the next phase for us is looking at you know, now that we've helped people kind of manage the internal process, how can we manage that workflow of all of these different stakeholders asking for those questions, whether it be raters and rankers, whether it be um, investors or, or other customers or potential customers, and how can we uh, provide people with the workflows um, to be able to do that in an efficient way so that you know how you responded to tier one supplier a you know last year how you're responding this year what was used and again ensuring that a consistent message is going out from your company you know we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation i wonder if there's one or two key takeaways you want people who have been listening to think about a little further sure so again the ehs uh, function is prime to be the quarterback of your esg activities Um, i would recommend that you know, if you aren't already involved uh, from that perspective, um, to look at getting involved because you can affect your destiny. I think the other key takeaway is digital tools are going to be critical for this. They have been critical to operationalizing environmental health and safety compliance and risk management. And that same approach, that same page from that playbook needs to be taken to ESG. It can't be managed as just, you know, kind of one-off bespoke requests. Um, and having a system that can um, leverage data uh, and be an arbiter of that data from other business systems that you have internally is going to be critical as well. For people who want to learn more, what's the best way to get in touch? Sure. Um, You can visit benchmarkdigitalesg.com or contact me at amanda.petzinger at benchmarkdigital.com. Fantastic. I always appreciate when someone mentions uh, their personal email address. Uh, I encourage anyone who's listened to this all the way through. I mean, you must be interested in the topic. Uh, Amanda clearly knows what she's talking about. I encourage you to reach out. Uh, Amanda, thank you again so much for your time today. Thanks for having me.
You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.